Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted, and we are going to uncloset something that all of us can be. We can all be leaders in our own way, but I feel like there's something a little bit extra special, something that... Oh, I'm just going to say it, that us queer people bring to the table when we're out there leading because we've had to take the lead in so many ways to be who we are and who we need to be in the world. And that doesn't mean we're better leaders. Some of us are. We're all just human. But today I am bringing a guest on who has just recently written a book about leadership. And it's a little bit of a specialty book because his book is called Pride Leadership for the LGBTQ Leader. And Again, I want everyone to keep their minds open about this. We're not trying to say that we are better or unique, but there are some unique things that I do believe, and I know that Steve, my guest, is going to talk about that as LGBTQ plus individuals, the challenges, the things we have to show up in to be leaders in our own right and to lead ourselves can be kind of an interesting little bag of tricks. And we just put those little tricks in our little bag and we go turn those tricks a lot of times. So that's what we're all about here. So Steve Yacovelli, thanks, man, for being here. I'm so, as a published author, I'm so excited to be with another person who's just published their first book because it's like giving birth. So um, yeah. thank you. Rick. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I know you're, you, we were talking before we came on that, um, yeah, book publishing, quite a journey, right? <laughs> It is it, it, technically this is it, this is my third book. Okay. Um, the first the first one didn't really count because it was like the dissertation thing that you have to yeah, jump yeah, through yeah, groups yeah. and then threw it online just like to get the ISBN credit and then I did um, played around with doing an ebook on my own just to kind of see what happened and boy that was a excuse me shit show I mean it was yep. a bad experience so this is my first hey I have a publisher we went through the whole process I had a bunch of editors and that was uh, a really interesting and continues to be an interesting experience but hey I'm really happy I did it my story's out there and now hopefully people will hear it yeah yeah so why lgbtq leadership i mean other than okay let's just in case you didn't know it we're both gay men so now we're gonna, <laughs> just gonna we're gonna put that out on the table not that my listeners don't already know that about me but um why did you put the emphasis on lgbtq leadership yeah it's an awesome question rick so i've been in this space in the leadership development, change management, and diversity and consulting space pretty much my whole career. So mm -hmm. going on three years, it's great. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's not 25 plus years. Oh, girl, and, uh, come on. <laughs> hey, Let, let's, good, just, let's do what we have to do, right? I have a good, I use good product though. Um, That's right. That's so right. about 20, 25 plus years or so. And, and over that time, you, I've really been fortunate to work with some really cool companies, good organizations, and you start to see patterns of behavior and how people approach leadership. And you see what's working for some and the different skills that they do, and you see the ones that crash and burn and what they're not doing. And so I just kind of tucked that away there. And then about four or so years ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer, I started really getting involved in advocacy on behalf of the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. And so I'm watching, you know, 
gay leaders, meaning the broadest sense of the term, do what they do and just rocking it. I mean, doing some amazing stuff. And then at one point that inner Carrie Bradshaw kind of popped up and said, I couldn't help but wonder, you know, from <laughs> Sex and the City, but yep. I really couldn't help but wonder, like, is there something to these gay leaders that they're, they're doing, in essence, all the right stuff that I'm seeing the best practice in the general population do. And, and so I started unpacking that a little bit and that's really what led me down to the path of creating pride leadership. Great. And I have to say, I think there is something really, really unique. Um, and I, I, my perspective comes from the space of when I was in corporate America, all the many years ago, um, I wasn't out. I was married. I was pretending to be heterosexual. And then as those moments begin to come closer where I'm like, okay, I am doing this. I'm about to come out of the closet here. I started really paying attention to my LGBT, which was all there was at that time. (laughs) Um, Counterparts and going, okay, how are they showing up here? Number one. And how are some of them doing this in these higher levels? Yeah. Because there was, you know, and this, we're talking the late, late 90s so we were just beginning to get past the ellen degeneres or right in the midst of all of that sort of stuff and it really was becoming a a big piece of how i saw myself coming out of the closet in fact it scared me to death (laughs) because i'm like okay i'm gonna lose everything in fact i'm i'm doing a speech this weekend about that about so as i stood there you know going i'm going to lose everything my job you know my my status, all this sort of stuff as a manager, mm-hmm. it was like huge stuff. So when you look at these leadership things and you, you know, obviously you've done some of the work and the research to write this book, what are some of the bigger challenges you feel like LGBTQ leaders face that might be unique compared to, you know, the average heterosexual? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so full disclosure, uh, one of the places I've actually worked internally as a, as a leadership consultant ha- was with Disney. So mm-hmm. we never said problems. We said areas of opportunity, you know, yes. that's that full kind of stuff. So, so, and I actually address this in the book that there are certain generalizations you can say that we as a collective community go through that really help us flex our leadership muscles. For example, um, you know, one of the chapters is on understanding leadership courage. Mm. And if you look at the concept of what that means in the general population, yes, you, you can have those tough conversations, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think by nature of, of who we are as a collective community, we're forced to really amp up that courage thing if we want to be successful in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So not only just having those difficult conversations with those around us, but also bringing ourselves, which is another chapter, that authentic self to the workplace. You, know, you really can't untangle authenticity with courage. They yeah. are, you know, they're separate chapters, but, you know, and I say in the book, all of the six leadership competencies I focus my energy on in the book are so gorgeously intertwined because that's collectively what makes us successful. So having courage, being authentic, um, really being empathetic. I think just those top three, if you think about our collective and shared experience of being the quote unquote others yeah. and define other how you will, it really forced us to flex those leadership muscles. And that, that experience just helps you be a more effective leader. I agree a hundred percent. And you know, it's interesting when the company that I worked for, when all this was starting to unravel for me was a software company in Orange County, California, of all places, (laughs) one of the most conservative places in the world. And it was so interesting because we probably had 
easily a hundred, if not, if not 150 people working in that office, that was just that particular office and the predominance, um, well, I should say the predominance, but there was a good share. I'm talking 30%, probably of the staff were part of the queer community. And even in our support department, we had a openly transgender person in the support department, which was like, even for me, when I first joined, I'm like, okay, what is this thing? <laughs> I remember thinking that myself, like, okay, what is this person? And then as I started to step further into my truth and everything, I'm like, okay, I get this piece. And it was such an interesting journey for me to watch myself go through this, yet had the blessing of being in a company that the arms were open, they mm -hmm. were wide open. And I can't help but think at times if that hadn't been the case, if I would have come out. Wow. And, and you know, it's funny because I, um, I had the very interesting conversation with my publisher and two of my editors during the process because the one, one of the chapters, of course, being your authentic self, at one point I, I addressed the concept of being out at work. And I think mm -hmm. the statistic currently is, uh, I think it's a little more than half of LGBTQ plus people are actually out at work. And I remember mm -hmm. reading that. I was very shocked by that. I thought it would be more. And, but in my, my initial uh, draft of the manuscript, I had, you know, if you are in the closet, stop reading this. And everybody around me was like, no, that's that you can't say it that way. And the more I unpacked it, I'm like, you're right. I, that's a little harsh. because mm -hmm. I, And I even talk about context in the book. And, you know, I don't know what your situation is. So what I did was I really put it as if you aren't out at work, rethink that because two things are happening. One, um, maybe you're not in the environment where you can truly grow as your authentic self. Yep. And then two, you know, if you are not being your authentic self at work, you won't be the most effective leader because you're channeling that energy to watch those pronouns and, and you know, hide what you did last weekend and all that fun stuff. So, you know, really helping people think not just about how they are at work, but also their, their work context, because my mm -hmm. goodness, life's, life's too short, you know, yeah. find a place that like you had, Rick is, is appreciates the differences that we have and allows you to be your authentic self and maximize the gifts that you can bring to the table versus make you hide those or, or, or discredit the ones that aren't quote unquote within the, the, uh, the, the, the context of everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting, Steve, because I, started my speaking career, speaking at colleges and universities on PFLAG panels. And um, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's listening. Um, it's, it was parents, families, and friends of lesbians and gays. Yeah, it's just kind of PFLAG, kind of like the Nike swoop is the Nike swoop sort of thing. Um, because there's so much more to the PFLAG, you know, we could put the letters of the alphabet on and we'd go on forever. But um, it was interesting to me because there was one of my best speaker friends that we pretty much spoke a lot together on the, those panels. And she worked for a very well-known company, which I won't say on the air here. And she was not out at work. Mm -hmm. And at first that bristled my little bit of hair that I had left on my head that she wouldn't be out at work. Cause when I came out, I wouldn't say I came flaming out with rainbows and everything, but I just like, okay, I have waited 36 years to get here yeah. and nothing's going to hold me back from being my authentic self. And then when I heard her story the first time, I'm like, well, I don't know if I buy what you're saying. And then each subsequent time that I started listening to her story and then getting to know her, I'm like, okay, I get it. Because there was a point where she wasn't sure that even though we're in, you know, California where it's very much, okay, everybody has a right to be who they are and all this sort of stuff. If anybody wants to get rid of you, they'll find a way. 
And she was in one of those environments where she was like, I don't know if I want to risk this. And then she quit. And then now she's doing her own thing. But I remember first my own reaction. And then we had just come off a panel. And again, college students. So, you know, I remember right, right. college students, I would say whatever shit I wanted to say half the time. And I remember hearing this group of students going, well, we really liked everybody but the one gal. And, you know, she's hiding in the closet because she's not out at work. And I thought, okay, I can either like let this slide or I can be a really good teacher. And I walked over them and I said, you know, I, I just heard what you said and I, I love your perspective, but I want you to put yourself in her shoes. I want you to walk out of here a year from now or whenever you're going to graduate and walk into that environment, whether you're gay or straight or whatever it might be. But for some reason, something that you know is your truth, that if you let that out, that you would get fired. How would you feel? Yep. And it was really quiet. And they kind of did an about face. And I think this is that thing where we don't stand in each other's shoes half the time. And I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. I also do agree that there's a lot to be said for being out and who you are at work. Right. Yep. Because that's it only going to help smooth out some of the bullshit we have right now. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, one of the, I had uh, I did another interview a couple of weeks ago, and uh, this this uh, person said in, in the interview, "Well, how is you know your book different than say a leadership book for a person of color?" And I'm like, "That's a fantastic question." I said, mm -hmm. "The number one answer is you know, assuming not you know intersexuality, is um, is that LGBTQ for the most part is an invisible minority." Mm -hmm. I said, so we choose, again, for the most part, to share who our authentic selves are. I said, and that in of itself is, is a courageous thing to do, um, you know, to, to put yourself out there, to be vulnerable. I just don't walk in the room, you know, maybe some days I'm a bit more like, hello, you know, kind of right, thing. Right. Uh, you know, but for, for the most part, you know, I go to my clients and they may not know that I have a husband of 21 years. They right. may not know that, you know, I've, I've been out since I was 24 years old, um, but you know, through the course of the conversation, I will make it known who I am because in my world and my business, that's a big values thing. So, and mm -hmm. I have worked with clients who initially were not cool with it or, or it's like, you know, let's, let's not share that with the senior executive signing the checks. And I'm like, oh, we're not doing that because that's not how we roll here at Top Dog Learning Group. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but you, you get that dating, you learn and you figure it out. Sometimes right. it's an awesome opportunity to educate folks on stuff. Sometimes you get through that and you're, you know, you have to make that decision whether you're internal to a company or, or not, mm -hmm. how much can you really change the culture given where you're at and the, the quote unquote power that you might have. Right. And I also, I love what you just shared because I think this is the, these, it is those moments where we are called to step into our own values at our highest level. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, I don't know. And I, and I will actually come back to him and said, you know, I'm not going to argue. It's you do what you got to do, yep. but please trust that I'm going to do what I need to do based on my personal values. Yep. Absolutely and that's agree. where, I, that's the way I roll. You know, mo I, again, like you, I don't walk in usually like, holla, I am here. Um, every once in a while I might. But um, for the most part, I don't. And yeah. actually, usually it's not, I don't know, it's usually not too long till they figure it out. But it's not like I blatantly will say something. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm going to throw it down. But when the opportunity presents itself, I may say, oh, yeah, my husband and I did this. 
and I just keep on rolling. Absolutely. <laughs> just I, like I, Tina Turner, we're just going, keep yeah. on rolling down that river, girl. <laughs> I, if I, I stop, I, they're probably going to go, now what the fuck? What? what? Let's go back. Yeah. Uh, I do a, um, a three-day leadership workshop for several clients, and one of the, the introductory activities is, you know, what are things that you like to do? And so, you know, I always model the way I'll go first. I say, oh, you know, Dr. Steve Valley, live in Orlando. Uh, I like to travel. I like wine. I like to paddleboard. And I guess after 21 years, I should say I like my husband. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, who's next? And I just right. dropped that bomb very specifically because I can read the room very fast. Right. And you know, again, that's one of the things I talk about in the book. We are coached to really read the signs and symbols and nonverbals of those around us. It's a safety mechanism. It's mm -hmm. it's it's a ingrained way for us to know who is in our tribe, who's okay with our tribe, and who is maybe an adversary to our tribe. So you know, I I, I practice what I preach in the, in the classroom, and and you start to look and watch. And knowing the corporate values of the company, I know they a thousand percent support LGBT, all the minorities, all the cool mm -hmm. stuff. So I have that in my back pocket that if someone really box at it, and I've had one person over the nine years that I've been doing these workshops with this client come up and say something about it. I said, you know, then there's an opportunity to you for you to rethink your experience because life's too short. Your company values say this, that's your social contract with the business. And if that's not something that's in line with your personal values, I totally respect that. Maybe there's an opportunity to look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And they're like, whoa, <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's cool. So if you can yield those, those understanding of your personal values, the values of the organization that you're playing with, that's a powerful position to be in because you're just stating a fact. You're not stating necessarily, well, you have to do this. No, mm -hmm. there's the values on the wall in the break room. If you don't yeah. abide by them, then that's an HR conversation. Absolutely. So I'm curious, only because you and I, you, you've been out longer than I have. I, I'm actually, this October will, I think it's, yeah, this October will be 20 years since I came out. So nice. yeah, I keep telling my husband, I'm like, I'm waiting, girl. <laughs> I mean, 20 years, <laughs> there's gotta be something. Something's gonna happen on that day. China, no, I China, exactly I think remember China's the, the thing. Huh? China is the product that like, in the traditional yes, setting. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> so. Something along those lines. Yeah. Right. But, um, I'm always curious, and I think this is great for our conversation. How do you handle our LGBTQ brother and sister who just, they have got to just, they have got to make it their point that everybody gets it. Mm -hmm. They walk in and they're going to make sure everybody knows. I mean, I, cause I have a perspective. I'm curious as you, as somebody who does these leadership things, what would you do with someone like that? Not that I want to hold them back, not that I want to yeah. muzzle them, but there's, there's a, there's just, there's something I feel like that they need to be a little, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know <laughs> what I want to use. It's like, I do kind of want to muzzle them, but not really, you know, yep. there's a little bit of respect that needs to kind of go down. It, it's a really, really good question. And matter of fact, I, literally do address it in my book in that authenticity chapter. Cause I, I, I use a story, not necessarily about, about my gayness, but just who I am as a person. So mm -hmm. um, your, your listeners might get it, but maybe not. I'm a pretty extroverted kind of guy. You know, mm -hmm. I got a, a nice grill. I smile all the time. Right. So I walk in and I'm pretty, you know, people are like, Oh, clearly you work for Disney. Ha ha. Yeah. Fine. We'll go with that stereotype. Right. Right. But when I go to Europe to teach training classes, I'm not saying I'm not the authentic American Steve, but I dial it down. Hmm. I know that if I'm too, too toothy and smiley, that a lot of European cultures look at that as you're dumb. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm extroverted in your face, 
that's sometimes a major turnoff. So yeah. I talk in the book about understanding the context with which you're a part of. And it's almost like you have these little dials that you can do. So you, know, yeah. you, you don't go out to a pub with your best mates and you're like the exact same person you'd be if you're sitting with your great aunt Esther. Uh, right. You're two different people. You're still the same person, but you just dial it down a notch or up depending on the, the context or the comfort with those around you. And I would use the same analogy to those people who really want to push the agenda forward, really want social equality. Hey, I'm, I'm behind your brother and sister. That's so cool. But just understand your audience and context because mm -hmm. that's the thing you want to really play with. In order for people to be accepting and hear your message, you need to start to meet them halfway. Like, likes, like. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to pretend to be XYZ demographic here that you're not, but you really have to manage it and tone it until you build that trust and rapport. And then you can kind of let the dial go back to its natural setting, if you will. So that's kind of how I'd address that conversation. You know, it's interesting as you said that, Steve, because my husband and I just had an experience over the weekend that I think is the epitome of what you're talking about. And it has nothing to do with leadership, but you'll see where I connect the dots here. So we like wine. Surprise, hey. surprise. And, um, we try to go to a new winery at least once a month. We belong to several, but we try to try something new. And uh, so we went to a new winery Saturday and beautiful location. I mean, just awesome. We'd heard great things about this winery and we walk in and the gals there on her own and, you know, starts out really great. And we hadn't even got to the second wine and she's already starting to push the wine club. <laughs> And I started, and being a wine guy, I grew up in the Napa Valley. So it's like, this, this is not something I'm foreign to. And so as I keep listening to her and then I make some comment about, oh yeah, we belong to, you know, something and such and so, and well, what's it going to take? I'm like, okay, you are pushing this. <laughs> and the one thing that was missing, she never even said, so what kind of wines do you guys really enjoy? Right, what is right. something that really, and it's kind of the, it's the same thing as what you just said about walking in a room and pushing your gay agenda, which I'm not against that. I want to make mm, sure I'm clear not about that. All. Not at all. But it's about reading the room. It's yeah. about reading the customer that walks into that winery. And if you're suddenly going to push the wine club and you don't even know what kind of freaking wine they enjoy, <laughs> you're going to lose. Yep. And the yep. same thing. I always, I try, and I know as soon as I say this, some, some listeners going to like send me hate mail, but that's okay. I, those are, those make my day. So everybody's going to send me hate mail. But I think it's really important to like, think about this. And even this speaking gig that I'm getting ready to do this weekend, I initially started out like, okay, they want me to kind of tell my story, but I got to tie it back into what the theme of this conference is always about. It's about community yep. adventure and service and, so I worked with a, a speech coach that I love. She's amazing. And we tossed around some of the gay stuff. We're like, okay, we're going to really hit this and hit that. And then we both stepped back and said, I don't think so. Yeah. And this is a very progressive. This is a very, okay, it's World Domination Summit. It's very progressive. It's really cool. The people are like totally insane and stuff they love to do. But even in that kind of an environment, I'm like, this has to be about them and yep. something they're holding themselves back from. And so we kind of redid everything. And most of the people who know me that know that I'm going to be there, there's, they know how I am to begin with. Mm -hmm. But I'm approaching this from that perspective that I am telling my coming out journey, but it's all about leading them to that space of what is it you're holding yourself back from? Right. What is that big thing you keep saying you want to do, but you just aren't doing and the way that it's getting approached is, yeah, there's going to there's gonna be a couple of things that are probably going to shock a few people, especially mm -hmm. when I say that I was getting all, you know, 
mom and dad sent me off to talk to the preacher when I came out of the closet. And the only thing <laughs> they convinced me of that he was just hot and sexy and it didn't work, mom and dad. So, you know, <laughs> this is way it went down, you know. I, I know there's probably going to be a few people on the crowd. Like, hmm. <laughs> That's not nice to the pastor that way. I'm like, well, I can't help it. He was good looking, you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I think it's the same sort of thing. we got to put ourselves yeah. into those contexts, especially not just as leaders, but I think leaders in, in communities, in work and everything, it's really helpful to say, okay, I know what I need to be as a leader, mm-hmm. but how do I bring that personal piece of me into that space yeah. as well? Yeah. And, and, and that's such an important question that I think any per- and I, I make the, the case um, when I do my conversations actually in the book as well as, you know, if you are living and breathing, you're a leader in some way, shape or form. Period. Absolutely. You've got a formal title, you influence people around you. So you are a leader. So with that in mind, really understanding kind of how we, we it, it impact those around us, how we want to impact those around us, the context, all that stuff. And I think it really starts with just being mindful of your own personal um, skills and where you can improve. You know, I mm-hmm. won't say deficiencies, but but where's that area of opportunity to improve? You know, because mm-hmm. I, I use the, the concept of a dr- having a drone perspective. You know, um, some people used to call it helicopter perspective, but that sounds too much like the parenting thing, you know? Um, but it's really like if you were sitting in a conversation with somebody, it could be work, could be not, and you can somehow get in your own head and, and get in a little drone and hover above the conversation and just kind of watch what's happening, even though it's you. Um, and, you know, they call it mindfulness is another yeah, concept yeah. that's out there. It's the same idea. Yeah. Um, but really being able to get into that place to be like, wait a minute, why aren't we working? Why aren't we connecting? Ah, oh, you know what? Hey, I'm not really listening to you. Let's like redo this. Let's start mm-hmm. over. That's powerful stuff, having that self-awareness. And I think if, if a reader goes to my book and they get nothing else out of the conversation, it's just looking at ways to look at your own behavior and then trying to find ways to start to adjust it to where you want it to be or where you think it should be. So what do you think? And I, I'm going to like, I'm going to just hone in on one particular area, and this may be like a really pointed question. What do you think that gay men struggle with the most as leaders? Gay men specifically or? Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to go gay men because there's a reason to that question. Um, it's such, such a broadly gorgeous question. (laughs) So I'm going to try to talk in generalizations without getting to stereotypes. So like kind of because you got so many demographics, all different yep, sorts of yep. things I can do in that one. Um, but I think one of the things that I personally have seen gay men struggle with within the workplace is finding that balance of exercising the quote unquote how men should behave in the workplace. And for you listeners, I'm doing bunny ears right now. Yes, he is. Um, versus how you want your authenticity to be perceived. So, mm-hmm. for example, I have a, a really, really awesome close friend who is a little bit more on the uh, flamboyant side of the, of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. That's his authenticity. He's amazing at it. That's one of the reasons why I absolutely love this person. But he struggles with, you know, how do I, getting back to that dial and the contacts, how do I, you know, I'd use the term butch it up, which I, I tell him not to do that. But right. he's like, but, but I work in a manufacturing you know, uh, situation, you know, that's the right. business that I'm in. That's not necessarily perceived that as the norm. I said, well, you know, there's that balance that you want to have between the context of being your authentic you, yep. but then also, you know, 
not to keep going back to the same conversation, but where's the dial for mm-hmm. your contacts? Mm-hmm. And I, I think, and, and we're, we're talking about gay men, but I think that can be very broadly applied to the rest of the, the uh, alphabet with our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in our community. I agree. And the reason I ask that question, because I deal with a lot of gay men who are in this space as their coach trying to figure out, okay, how do I really show up? You know, not only in my life, you know, but in work and, you know, and I, and I said, if you are, if you are putting on a different you when you walk in the door Mm-mm. to work yep. and you're putting on a different you when you walk in the door to your house, we need to get these things in alignment. Because how you show up at work is the way you should show up at home and how you show up at home should be the way you show up at work. And then they go like, well, but I can't be, I'm like, you can't, it's just yeah. the layers and the levels of how you show up. And, and again, it's the dial. Exactly. And, um, for me, I know when I have, and the reason I asked the question, because I've asked this of my clients, you know, what is it you struggle with most as a gay man to be a leader or to be a manager? And they're like, I don't know how I'm supposed to show up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which tells me that a lot of organizations are continuing as we know, mm-hmm. see it out every day. This is how men are supposed to be in the workplace. And this is how women are supposed to be in the workplace. And if you're a person of color, this is how, you know, there's so many stereotypes. So when I get that with a, with one of my clients, I say, first of all, so back to your, you know, elevate helicopter thing. I always say, I want you to stand 30,000 feet above what you feel you're supposed to show up and observe mm-hmm. yourself. I want you to be at that 30,000 foot level watching yourself walk into work just for a day. Think through your day and how you showed up. What would you tell somebody who was doing that? Secondly, who do you want to be? Yep. Because who you want to be and who you are being are probably two different things. And if the who you want to be is keeping you awake at night because you can't be that, that's where the work begins. And I would add a third level to that. And and this is you, where that you didn't, you didn't ask permission to ask uh, to add a third level. <laughs> this is my this is my show, bitch. But please go ahead. <laughs> so the third layer I would I would add would be something to the effect of, okay, so let's let's put that context out there. You know, can you if your your context or your work environment ultimately is not accepting of your authenticity, why are you there? Exactly. Are you an indentured servant to them? And people say, but I have to make a job. I, hey, I get it. Paychecks are awesome. We all yeah. love those. We'd like to be. But in the, the grand scheme of life, and yes, this is very easy for me to say, but I say it through my own context, be somewhere that's going to appreciate who you are as mm-hmm. the worker that you are. And uh, I, I, hey, I've been fired from jobs. Um, I started my own consulting practice because, quite frankly, I was fired from my last one. I still don't know why to this day. Florida's the right to work state, so I just piss somebody off at somewhere. So I'm like, right. you know what? I'm going on my own and see what happens. And, you know, that was over 11 years ago. So, you know, yes, not everybody has that, that opportunity to do something like that. But I would guarantee in today's day and age, smart employers are looking for the people who can do the work regardless of insert demographics here. Yes. And, and so that's where we want to put our, our special energy. That's where we want our little unicorn magic to go because that's what the smart employers are starting to figure out. And if we start moving with our boots or heels on the ground to be like, you know what, I'm going to those folks because they like who I am and they support who I am and they are really open and inclusive people notice and, and employers notice and recruiters notice. And so I usually challenge people for that third level to say, you know, what is it that's keeping you at this organization that really doesn't appreciate your authenticity? And sometimes it's, I don't like change. Ah, there's something we can work with. Let's yeah. get you okay with change. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny as you were, you, you brought up the unicorn and I forgot about this <laughs> until you said something. I was working with a client and then I was actually doing a um, team, I'm going to call it a team building workshop mm-hmm. with a company locally. And I'm talking about being authentic as who you are, showing up fully in who you are. And, and so I do this exercise where I want all of them, even though we're not looking for work, I said, it all starts when you show up for that interview. Mm-hmm. And that question comes of, tell us about you or tell us what your superpower <laughs> is. You know, whatever. I said, if you're not answering those questions from who you really are, whatever that might look like, that's yeah. when you start to set the tone and that's when you set up the like prison you're walking into. <laughs> so I was working with a client and he was struggling, struggling so hard with it, right? So I said, what would be the most outlandish thing you could possibly say if you get asked that question, what is your superpower? Right. And he can be flamboyant. <laughs> and I could tell he was like, fuck it, I'm going for it. He goes, I'm a unicorn. <laughs> and I said, okay. And how would you continue that conversation? So we go through all this, right? I'm in the middle of this, this engagement with this company. And I decide I'm going to kind of use the story, but I'm not going to tell him the punchline of he says he's a unicorn. So as we get there, I'm like, so I would like all of you in your little groups to think about you're just starting with this organization and you get handed that question. What is your superpower? Yeah. You guys go work on that. And then we're going to come back. They had no idea that I was actually going to put people in the hot seats. Right. Yep. So I'll be damned if the first person I don't bring up big burly guy. Right. And I, obviously my gaydar was like way off that day. I'm like, <laughs> no, this one, no way. I mean, he was hot as could be. I was like, going, okay, Rick, you're supposed to be here for one reason. You're not supposed to be like checking out the guys. Right. And he gets up in the hot seat and I said, so we're going to start the interview. And I did a couple of questions and I, you know, through the, what's your superpower? I am a unicorn. And of course I am, like, <laughs> I am like holding it in like, oh fuck, why is this happening right now? And I said, really, can you explain that to me? And he goes, well, you know, unicorns, we're a special breed of people and we bring such unique things to the workplace. And we really have these superpowers that nobody really gets in. And I said, well, that's cool. So what are those superpowers? He goes, well, as a gay man, and of course I'm like going, God, how, am I, how am I going to do this with, you know, cause I, and he's going on and on. I said, well, you know, get all done. He goes through this whole thing about being a gay man and why being a gay man. we are really insightful about things. We can see things. We can read people really well. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, by the time he was done, I was like, I'm exhausted. I mean, <laughs> I would have been like hiring this one in a heartbeat just because he proved his fucking point. <laughs> We get done, and I said, thanks, man. You were really, really great. And he looked me right in the eye and goes, and you didn't even know I was gay, did you? I'm like, okay, he just <laughs> called me out, you know. But it was such a great experience because what he did yeah. was he set the tone for the yeah. rest of them. Absolutely. Because he modeled that. I am fully bringing myself to this. So we get completely done with the day. The event planner come, or the guy who hired me comes up. And I said, how did it go? He goes, I'm shocked. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. He goes, I am shocked because, first of all, you got us all believing we could have fun, that we were a whole group of engineers. So, okay, just to oh, hear in those nice. words, oh, we can have fun. We can be creative. He goes, but I'm shocked because nobody knew Ben was gay. Ah, <laughs> nice. And I thought, girl, my, my work here is done. Yep. <laughs> 
and I'm and this guy didn't know I was gay. I said, you know, and I thought I'm going for it. I said, you know, as a gay man myself, I was kind of shocked about that one because when he said it to me, he mumbled it to me. He didn't say it loud enough for anybody else to hear. He goes, you didn't even know I was gay, did you? It was so beautiful and so powerful to see this whole thing yeah. unfold. And I think this is the stuff that when you talk about the leadership stuff team, it, I mean, uh, Steve, it's about leading yourself mm -hmm. in whatever way that works that can lead others so they can feel like leading themselves works as well. It, it, someone asked me, um, to your exact point, Rick, someone asked me that like, okay, if you could boil down the whole concept and goal of leadership, what is it? I said, you know what? Trust. It's building trust with those around you, period. Everything that you do, whether it's you build rapport with people, you share your authenticity, you effectively chat with them from, a, you know, you telling your story, all that good stuff. Everything boils down to trust. And mm -hmm. you know, that story you just showed, that's awesome. So what Ben or whoever the engineer was, yeah. People, hey, he threw himself out there. Like, you can't not trust him because it, that was him. That was his authenticity. That was and fully him showing up. It was amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's a fantastic story. I would love to know what happened to, to them, meaning the whole organization, later. You know, what well, was so interesting because two weeks later when I did the follow-up, I said, so how is everything going? And I was kind of like, I'm just focused on, yeah, did you guys like start really having some more fun? And the first thing my contact said, he said, we implemented a new weekly meeting that every person that was in the training. So it was just, I did the experiential thing. Yep. A friend of mine did the rest of the three days. I just, he pulled me in, you know, I hoard myself out for an afternoon and said, sure, right. use me, abuse me, whatever. Right? Right, right. And he said, we started a new thing where once a week, everybody who was at that training is leading some sort of a discussion. And we don't, none of us really know what it is until we show up. And he said one of the first discussions that came up was not by Ben. Mm -hmm. It was by somebody else on the team. And the discussion was, how do we get to authentically know each other? Oh, nice. Nice. And he goes, it was something that opened us up because they're – they were known as the wicked stepchildren of the company. They're the engineers. You know, you just got to make sure the lines work right. You know, we got to make sure all the packaging happened. You know, it's like just, oh, the engineers, they'll figure that out. It was kind of like they were the dumping ground. You know, it's like, let the engineers handle it, you know. Nice. And he said, I have been, and he, here's the interesting piece out of this whole story. Him and only three other people. So there were 16 that came through this experience. Mm -hmm. Those four people combined their total time with the company may have been 20 years, which sounds like a lot, but four out of the 16 that was theirs, the rest of the team, they're combined. So you take 16, take away the four. So the rest of the other 12, their combined total was under a year each. So less than 12 years. So to see this new birth and new breath come into the team and then he goes, he came back again. The thing that kept coming back was, A, we're having fun now. Nice. B, we realize we're creative. And C, that C thing was, we're starting to get to know each other more authentically. That's great. And I think this is what, when you see something, and again, we're going to come kind of full circle here. Mm -hmm. When somebody asks about why focus on leadership about LGBTQ+, or why focus on leadership for any other marginalized community, women, people mm -hmm. of color, mm -hmm. it's because these things need to be talked about. Yep. These yep. things need to be shared. 
These are the things. And I know, you know, your six things are authenticity, courage, empathy, communication, relationships, and culture. I could take those words and not diminishing what Steve does here, but you could put it in any marginalized community. It's going to be the same stuff. I started out, totally agree with that. When I started the book, it was 26 competencies. Wow. And, and so I, with the help of a, a friend who's a really fantastic thinking partner, my sister as well, you know, I call him that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, he does what I do is OD development leadership. Yep. We had post-it notes all over my office of like what we have experienced, what we've seen. And it, we just wanted to boil it down. But I a thousand percent agree with you. I mean, these, these six are, are just so universal. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's a twist for, for our community to have a leg up in all six, which yes, is why I agree. the whole book exists. But yeah, you, you talk about, um, you know, in, in my one chapter about shaping culture. Yeah, we, we all want to shape the right culture to be inclusive, regardless of your quote unquote otherness. Yes. And how can we do that? And we all can do that. We all can take a part in that. It just might take a little bit of effort for some of us to be a little more savvy with it than others. Mm-hmm. But I think you're in a very similar space with what you're doing um, what I did, but I, this is something I landed on about three years ago. You can take this entire premise of this book. And for the ones who are like, oh, well, why does it, why do we have to have gay pride? Why can't we, you know, I don't even want to start on that whole thing, but, but why, why does it matter if it's LGBTQ leaders? And I would yeah. actually go, well, because what we're teaching you actually could work for you too. Yeah. Yeah. If you were really authentically coming to work, if you were really showing up as your courageous self, if you were really being empathetic, if you were really communicating, if you were really focused on the relationship, if you were really focused on the culture, because in something that you do that you feel like you're not fitting in, guess what? It's going to be the same thing. And I landed on this literally three years ago when I realized my coming out process, I can do with anybody in any situation they're in and any company in any situation they're in because coming out starts with being confused. Mm-hmm. And then you got to go get curious. And as you get curious, then you build the courage to go do that thing you want to do. Right. But once you build the courage, you got to commit to doing it. And through commitment is at where you get the confidence. And once you have the confidence, then the only thing that's really left is you f- to consistently show up in your values. Yeah. And this is exactly why I'm doing the kind of talks I'm doing and doing the stuff that I'm doing is because like you... <laughs> I can go walk into any organization or I can walk with someone who's like, I'm really struggling to be an entrepreneur. Well, guess what? You are confused and you need to start getting curious. And the more curious (laughs) you get, you're going to have the courage to go be the entrepreneur and then you're going to commit to it. And and the more you commit to it, the more confident you're going to be. And as soon as you're confident, then all you got to do is show up consistently being the the entrepreneur the way you want to be and go do your thing based on your values. And I think this is the beauty of what you put together okay, we're going to put the beautiful you know, rainbow flag on your book and say it's, it's for us LGBTQ people and the rest of y'all back off. But <laughs> I think it's beautiful, Steve, because I think there's so many in our own community yeah. who need to become a sponge. And, 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 Rick, and, and thank you, Rick. I, so it's funny, a quick story. Um, when I gave the book to my first editor. And of course, you know, she would be the first human in the entire earth besides myself to read it. I was so nervous. Right. And a couple of weeks later, you know, she comes back to me and she's like, okay, I need to, before I say anything, preface it this way. I am a white cisgendered heterosexual woman. I am clearly not your target audience. I have an MBA and damn it, Steve, this is the book I wanted in grad school about leadership. Hmm. 
And I was like, thank you, Heather. And she's like, can you de-gay the book? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> I said, the reason is, yes, I totally agree that, that they are universal concepts. But what I, I did find when I was doing my initial research in, in, to write the book, you know, there's a lot of great leadership stories out there. And I, love, I have a whole bunch behind me right now mm-hmm, and all over my office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there are so few that speak right to our audience. Yes. And there's something very empowering in and of itself when someone's talking just to you. Yes, I can say the same story over to my straight brothers and sisters, sure. But by just saying it to our LGBTQ plu brothers and sisters, right. there's just a different feeling with that. That Like, I see you. I'm talking to you. This is mm-hmm. you. And then, obviously, in the narrative, I do call out that, you know what? Yeah, you are courageous. And here's why, gay yeah. person lesbian, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's the nuance of the book. You know, maybe down the road, I will, as, as my editor said, de-gay it. Um, but I don't want to yet because mm-hmm. I, I really just want to, to build the leadership resiliency of our community because I think it's time. I think mm-hmm. we, especially that next generation that's coming up, that's going to take over the fight for all of us. No one's really addressing collectively their leadership awesomeness. Yes. And, and I say, I wrote the book. I'm actually trying to start an LGBTQ leadership movement. And mm. that's, that's really my end game goal, my not so hidden agenda. I love that. Love it, love it, love it. And you know, it's funny that you talk about de-gaying because I had similar situation as soon as, frankly, my dear, I'm gay came out. And I had quite a few <laughs> of my straight friends read it. And the first version we didn't like is the publisher really screwed it up. So we had to like, yeah. we re-edited and everything. But when that second version came out, I actually had people saying, so can you write this for the straight person now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, just read what's in there and right. pull out of it what the fuck you want, okay? I'm right. not, I, I, you know, frankly, my dear, I'm straight just isn't going to work, you know? I'm right, sorry. Right. But it was so interesting because it did start to plant the seed of, frankly, my dear, I'm a cancer survivor. Frankly, yeah. my dear, I'm, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't think I have the chicken soup for this whole thing in me, so ain't gonna happen. <laughs> um, but um, I, I did have somebody say to me just recently, so when's the next book coming out? And is it going to be like, you know, is it going to be that degade version? I'm like, yeah, it's called Stop Fucking Apologizing. Okay, so there, there's your, and, and that <laughs> yeah, is time. the title of the book, Stop Fucking Apologizing. <laughs> so, um, nice. yeah, it's so cool. So, Steve, I have so much enjoyed this conversation, man. I'm so excited for you. I love, love, love the bits that I've gotten to read of this book. He forced it down my throat. He's like, you got to read this before we go on the air. I'm like, okay, bitch, fine. I, I bought you dinner that. first. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. We just went another place that I wasn't thinking where we were going. But, um, but no, I love it. I'm wishing you all the success. I hope it's just a huge success when you go. The whole point of us trying to get this to this point was he's heading off to the LGLCC. What is that? Game, gay chamber uh, of commerce. Oh, and GLCC uh, in August. August. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is why we're publishing this right before he goes. Um, but anybody who would love to get a copy of it, Steve doesn't know I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to be giving a couple of the books away. Oh, nice. And what I'll do is if you want them, I will purchase them and I will get Steve's address. And send them to him so he can autograph them and get them off to you guys. So Absolutely. I'm going to pay for them. He's going to have to pay the shipping to get them to you. But, I will do that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I feel like it's important enough. So if you want a copy of it, you have to just shoot me an email to rick at rickclemens.com and say, I want Steve's book. Maybe you might want to say, I'm a unicorn too. I don't care. Just say you want Steve's book. <laughs> or I, I'll, lion. 
yeah, or lion or whatever, you know, be your authentic self. There you go. Whatever. Um, but anyway, yes, I'm going to give away two copies of the book. So as soon as I get those from people saying they want them, the first two people will get them and I will ship them over to Steve. He can sign them and he'll ship them on to you. So, uh, Excellent. And you can find it at Amazon. I'm sure you'll be able to get it anywhere that books are sold at Steve. Oh, he's Steve on Amazon.com. Steve on Amazon.com. So there you go. Cool. How much a better marketer than I am? Like, <laughs> I have a good publisher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bitches, you go to rickclemens.com, go to the book tab, go there, then click, you know. But uh, no, that's a great idea. No, I've done the same thing. Yay. It's called vanity URLs. Exactly. Hello. Redirects, redirects. Redirects, redirects, exactly. <laughs> that's what we do on dates too. Redirect. Nope, you're out the door. Bye. Um, trust us guys who've been around, married for a few years. We, we know how to do that redirect real well. <laughs> exactly. You got that attitude tonight, honey? Mm, redirect. You're not going to that bedroom. You're going to that bedroom. <laughs> so, there we go. But uh, So anyway, cool, Steve. Love you, man. Enjoyed this conversation. Best Thank of luck you. with Thank everything. You, Rick. And, Thanks. Uh, I hope it just really continues to take off. Let's start a movement together. Thanks, Rick. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. <laughs>